our youth featured two types of movies, the ones that awed and inspired us, and the ones that traumatized us well into adulthood. This is the story of one of those films. I have come to the conclusion that one useless man is called a disgrace, that two are called a law firm, and that three or more become a Congress. And by God, I have had this Congress. For 10 years, King George and his parliament have gull-cullied and diddled these colonies with their illegal taxes, stamp acts, Townsend acts, sugar acts, tea acts. And when we dared stand up like men, they have stopped our trade, seized our ships, blockaded our ports, burned our towns, and spilled our blood. And still, this Congress refuses to grant any of my proposals on independence, even so much as the courtesy of open debate. Welcome, everyone, to Clamshell Case Files, the podcast where we take a look back at the movies that scarred and inspired us. I'm the bad boy of the Continental Congress, Quentin. With me, as always, girl freedom, Bridget. Yay! And British America's sweetheart, Matt. Quentin, before we dig in, I need to give an impassioned speech Mm. so the people understand the magnitude of the film that we are dealing with today. (laughs) And quite possibly, you're going to need to do a little mixing in post. Because this is not just any old film. This is a movie that stands on high with the likes of the entire Star Wars trilogy. And much like how Lucas became a hindrance, nay, a tyrant, to experiencing the theatrical cut, so too is the original 1776 film A Forbidden Treasure. Bridget said, no, I will not watch Ben Franklin walk over the tale of John Adams the Hutt. And by God, the name Clamshell Case Files still means something, which is why Bridget, a true patriot, got out her VHS copy for us to enjoy. So today, when we gaze upon the hornometer, please remember the sacrifices that were made. Yay. (laughs) Oh, I'm still voting nay. (laughs) <laughs> absolutely not uh bridget yeah it's the fourth of july this week great <laughs> <laughs> well it is great because it allowed you to break out 1776 mm-hmm. which i believe you have said is your is it your favorite movie of all time i mean it's not my favorite movie of all time but it is a movie that dramatically changed my shaped me like the person i am <laughs> but it's not i mean i i i get it for the first hour <laughs> and then there's another an hour and a half left to go <laughs> <laughs> yeah for real it's, it's, I mean, there's some fun songs towards the end. There's some, you know, you have the South being like, fuck you, New England. <laughs> you can't you can't trash us when you're getting the bounty of, you know, whatever. But I just figured it was like a podcast prequel where you're just now used to men talking a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, 
That's how you can listen. I talk plenty. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my talents. So uh, it has been known that I do not like musicals. Mm-hmm. So there was uh, there was a lot of talk and scuttlebutt that that oh no Quentin will will suffer, but I, I actually didn't I didn't mind this movie. I thought it was kind of fun. It's so I mean, it, it, yeah, yeah, it's yeah so that's goofy. the thing is it's fun <laughs> till it gets up its own ass. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's well, you can say that about anything about revolutionary history. It's but, all I mean, fun and games things- when you're tar and feathering British soldiers, but as soon as it gets <laughs> up its own ass. <laughs> I mean, one of the things that I genuinely like about this movie is there is at no, there's a couple speeches from the South that are applicable to the uh, Revolutionary War time period. And these same people are now the love it or leave it people uh, who the same things that are being said could be applied to today. And, you know, maybe we should take into account the words of the founding fathers about as much as we take into account the words of pharaohs or like Attila the Hun, (laughs) you know, any sort of historical figure. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, the Bible's got some okay stuff. <laughs> I, I don't know. I never read it. <laughs> Jesus is okay. He, I don't know but if you've the, heard. Doesn't have a foreskin. But the fact <laughs> that you enjoyed this movie at any capacity makes me very happy. Yeah, no, it was fun. <laughs> William William Daniels is really fun. You can see exactly why he got cast as Mr. Feeney. Because he's just playing John Adams on Boy Meets World. Yes, yes. And actually, he's got a lot of John Adams ties, too, in his career. Oh, really? So, like, so John and I have this headcanon that he's actually John Adams. <laughs> and he's kind of like, you know, time travel, whatever. But because <laughs> <laughs> in St. Elsewhere, he's a relative of John Adams. Wait, really? Always, I yes. mean, that makes sense since it takes place in Boston, but. Yeah. And then, um, um, let me see. Well, I haven't written down, but um, there's a few other ones. Oh, he plays um, his son. He plays John Quincy Adams in something later in his career, mm-hmm. and and the the high school in Boy Meets World was John Adams High. Oh, was it? I can't yeah. remember. That's so funny. <laughs> That has so, to be. Or they had to have done that on purpose. Oh, I'm sure they did. There's actually, um, there's actually a point in Hamilton when you ever get around to seeing it, um, um, where like it's during the John Adams administration, and and Hamilton's up on a, a balcony, and he's like, "Sit down, John, you fat fuck." But anyways, it's 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 pretty funny. But he <laughs> does the "sit down, John" part, like singing it. He's like, "Sit down, John," and then he calls him a fat fuck. which isn't nice but it's what happens yeah yeah as far as founding fathers go adams leans on the not the worst side i don't know he was kind of a fascist dictator well so there's the thing there's the thing and also you know the whole alien and sedition acts and yeah but his kid's pretty all right yeah, his kid was all right. Not a his super great was, president, but very uh, anti. Uh, yeah, abolitionist. Slavery, and, yeah. yeah. And we'll talk about how some of these characters were maligned. Like the person who I always looked at as the bad guy of this movie 
is actually very misunderstood, and we'll get to that later. Great. I mean, that's good because I could keep like three names straight. Eventually, they all just became <laughs> South Carolina and that's North what Carolina. I normally do too. Like, I, I can't remember their names, um, so I just call them by their states. Good news. Most of them are John. Yeah. <laughs> just say John. And well, it'll, yeah. Yeah. Hey, I mean, this movie makes it pretty clear that they're all a bunch of Johns, am I right? Mm. <laughs> all a bunch the of Johns. Horan and the drinking. Just, uh, just, just trying to play their violins. Talking about I the mean, French disease. Guys, not, not to get way too far ahead of ourselves, but I already kind of made this proclamation. Like, this movie ends up on the hornometer, right? Because everyone's super horny and they're very obvious about all the sex that's being had in this movie. Get out of here. It's going to be on the inspirometer for me. But we can do the hornometer too. Bridget's very patriotic. No, I'm not. <laughs> Take that back. <laughs> that was the meanest thing you've ever said to me, Matthew. I don't know. You love 1776 so much, I Bridget. I love 1776. And I love Hamilton. As problematic as it is. Okay, so actually, no, quick question there. Yeah. I have yet to watch Hamilton, which if my sister listens to this episode, she will probably strike me in the face the next time I see her. Uh, how does, like, not, not specifically, like, quality to quality, but, like, this movie versus Hamilton, like, how do they compare... Like, are they basically sort of the same thing? Just two different looks at the same stuff? No, I would say Hamilton is a much more cohesive, uh, is a much more well-written okay. play. <laughs> but, and, and yeah. And, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's more well done. It doesn't mean I love this movie any less because it is what it is, but it, it's much yeah. less goofy. <laughs> hey, we, we all love flawed things, Bridget. Yeah. Just absolutely. look at my love for myself. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you guys want to get into it? Yeah. Uh, so we're going to start off with someone calling up for Mr. Adams, who is just chilling in his thinking spot, which is right by the Liberty Bell. Better get yourself back down to Congress, Mr. Adams getting ready to vote, and they said they couldn't settle such an important question without Massachusetts being there. I can just imagine. All right, what burning issue are we voting on this time? On whether or not to grant General Washington's request that all members of the Rhode Island militia be required to wear matching uniforms. Oh, good God. <laughs> I love that take. Also worth noting the uh, the non-Mr. Feeney voice that we hear there. I refer to him as the janitor in my notes. I know that's not his official title. I think they give it to him once. But basically, he's kind of like the jack of all trades within Congress who he's is like the in the congressman. manager. Yeah. You know, yeah. He's, he he keeps our far side calendar up to date. <laughs> he uh he basically does anything that he needs to do. He knows where the drunk is at all times. He probably should be like third build in this movie behind Absolutely. Adams and Franklin. He's one of my favorites in this movie. Because he's all uh, sass. <laughs> I 
have one particular line coming up from him that I do love. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so George Washington cares about style. John Adams is disgusted, races downstairs. In in what I would say is like the biggest flaw of this movie, they need to show him taking every single step <laughs> on the way. They figure it's not factual in the same way we're going to get to votes later and they're going to need to single in on every single person taking the vote, which makes this movie last about an hour longer than it needs to. Matt, you have to know this is not a Broadway show. This is a movie and look, we can show him going all the way down the stairs because there are really stairs there. It's amazing. Movie magic. It's one of these talkies. I'm so confused. Uh, so he runs downstairs. We see it's May 8th in the background. We hear this speech from the very beginning of the show. Uh, and Congress is just going to break into a song that is all about telling John Adams to sit down and also open some windows because it's hot. But maybe close them uh, because there are a lot of flies. <laughs> so, of course, Adams is going to refuse to sit down despite the song that they sing at him. <laughs> so what does he do? He ends up storming out. So, like split difference like win-win they still have him out of their hair so right now they can open the windows it's great <laughs> so he goes outside to sing to god about how it has taken them a year to accomplish anything and how he'd rather have locusts and earthquakes than deal with this congress any further am i right and then, ab <laughs> do nothing congress Yikes. i mean okay we should touch on this right now because that is the other weird part of this movie. It's it's celebrating America. I should say the movie and the play because I'm assuming, you know, the play is pretty accurate to this. It's celebrating America. But by God, does this movie hate government? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. All that goddamn red tape. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he uh, his John Adams wife, Abigail begins singing to him in his brain about him coming home to Boston. So this is supposed to be them writing letters to each other. It's supposed to represent that, just so you know. Which is like a famous thing that John and Abigail Adams did. Like their letters are like <laughs> famous. That's not a joke. I mean, that's sadly no, one, el no one else wrote letters back then. So uh, <laughs> no, no, nobody. They were the nobody, first. Nobody. Until, until Adam's love affair with Thomas Jefferson and they started writing. <laughs> so she's going to joyously sing about how their whole family has dysentery among other diseases. My, my uh, favorite, and then my favorite part of this is when she's like, Oh, like we might get smallpox. And then it's just like him looking straight into the camera and he goes, what else is new? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and then there's their song turns into an argument about which is more important Pilm, or sorry, pins or saltpeter. Yep. Yeah. Uh, which, for the record, Abigail is on the side of pins and John Adams is on the side of saltpeter. And he actually talks down to her in song at one point because she doesn't understand how ice cream is made or whatever. Uh, and then in this fantasized <laughs> version in his brain, things start to get romantic. So I'm imagining we cut away right before John Adams heads to his bunk. Mm -hmm. um, uh huh. Again, it's got to go to be the, a very horny movie. What's the equivalent in Philadelphia of the rocks? <laughs> That's what he's doing up at the Liberty Bell, my man. Yeah, <laughs> it's <a bell>. like, 
I got to go ring the bell. I'll be right back. <laughs> so uh, we cut to someone painting a portrait of Ben Franklin. Uh, hey, guys, did I ever mention the uh, Ben Franklin store that I grew up near? There was a bunch of them around New England. It's totally not a crazy person thing. Anyway, John Adams storms angrily over yelling at Ben Franklin, just yelling his name. Franklin is just smiling about it. Adam wants to know, Adams wants to know why he wasn't there. And Franklin's like, dude chill chill man uh he has a quote that i'm not sure if it was a franklin historical quote or made up for the movie that i really like treason is a charge invented by winners for hanging the losers um again uh something that i think could really be applied today anyway franklin <laughs> tells uh john adams with no hesitation that he is obnoxious and disliked. John, why don't you give it up? Nobody listens to you. You're obnoxious and disliked. I'm not promoting John Adams. I'm promoting independence. Evidently, they can't help connecting the two. Even your own cousin. And if Sam Adams can't put up with you, nobody can. You're getting at something. How can you tell? All right, out with it, Franklin. What new intrigue are you cooking up? Let someone else in Congress propose. Never. <sighs> Why? Who'd you have in mind? So while I could include a Sam Adams beer advertisement right here, we'll just cut right to Richard Henry Lee riding in <laughs> on his horse. Uh, I didn't catch his wants... name. Is there any <laughs> chance I'll maybe catch it later or... <laughs> Good news, Quentin. Oh. Uh, so Franklin wants Lee to stand up for independence because no one wants to listen to Adams. Uh, Richard Henry Lee in this film is an over-the-top buffoon who quickly gets quote-unquote tricked by Franklin into voting for independence. <laughs> but I think to really emphasize the mental capacity of Richard Henry Lee... He is then going to break into a song about his own name, which is going to, uh, towards the close, he is he's going to realize that a lot of words end in L-Y, which sounds like Lee. So he's just going to sing about those. And Franklin's just going to, you know, stroke that ego because he wants that independence vote and just like keep pitching him the words. Oh, what about this one? Have you heard neighborly? Have you heard friendly? <laughs> I don't know if those were words in the song, but. Uh, they are now. <laughs> this was the point that I texted both of you, uh, which I believe the quote was, what the fuck is this movie? Yep. <laughs> and I knew right about where you were. You did. You were spot on. Mm -hmm. uh, so the calendar is going to flip to June 7th. And I, I should really emphasize, I made the joke earlier that this is a far side calendar it is a gigantic yeah. paper calendar mm -hmm. that they do just rip each day off yeah. of and i'm sure entirely existed back then uh and we're gonna meet dr lyman hall the new delegate from georgia uh who is there it's already past 10 and he's like congress was supposed to start at 10 where is everyone and he's like hey man it's it's basically match game 76 rules everyone's having a liquid lunch they'll show up when they want to oh my god john hancock is just like the gene rayburn <laughs> just trying to keep them all in line and well and uh so we're gonna meet uh 
yes, Stephen Hopkins is going to be the first one to walk in and ask Hall, who honestly, like, they set up Hall like he's going to have a big role. And he does have a scene later in this movie, but I was fooled. I thought he was going to be a bigger character than he ends up being. Yeah. Um, but Stephen Hopkins is going to wander in and ask him if he wants some medicinal rum to get their hearts started at 10 a.m. And he's going to be followed by Liberace walking in, <laughs> who for some reason they're going to refer to as Edward Rutledge from uh, South, South Carolina. Carolina. South, yeah. South Carolina. Uh, and then eventually the introductions with the whole Congress happen. Who was actually uh, 26 Hall- when this happened. So. <laughs> Oh, Rutledge was? Yeah. Like the person in real life was only 26. Well, I mean, Bridget, back then, 26 was a hard 26. They looked like they lived some life. (laughs) These were all very wealthy men. So, I mean, (laughs) But it's weird, too, because like at this point, uh, 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 William Daniels is almost 50 and he's playing 40. So everyone's playing older than they are. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Or younger than they are. I mean, which is weird. Um, uh, so we get introduced to Hall and he's like, and, and they're like, uh, you know, how are you going to vote? And he's like, well, you know, I was elected, so I think I should use some like personal opinion here. And, and Liberace is going to be like, my good sir, the South always votes with one voice. So you better get in line behind me because I'm apparently doing Kevin Spacey right now. Yeah. And I will bang my ring on the table. It was like, it's like the, the nightmare movie of Kevin Spacey playing Foghorn Leghorn that we, think we never got. <laughs> I was like, this is really good until he's like, I'm doing a Kevin Spacey. I was like, oh, it's not good anymore. <laughs> it was completely accidental. Um, so another dude's going to ask Hall for a private moment. Which means we cut outside to fancy men riding in on their horses right in on the private moment where we're going to meet one John Dickinson. Where do you stand on the question of independence? Treason. I've no stomach for it. Ah, then be careful not to dine with John Adams. Between the fish and the souffle, you'll find yourself hanging from an English rope. Your servant, sir. Judge Wilson, forgive me, but how can anyone see you if you insist on standing in Mr. Dickinson's shadow? I would have cut that clip off earlier, but it's going to turn out that Mr. Wilson is going to matter about 456 hours from now at the (laughs) very end of this movie. That's why I was like, Uh, oh, it's it's kind of funny, like if Quinn doesn't watch the last part of the movie, because (laughs) you'd be like, what? The hero of the story is like that dude, but we'll get there. And the hero of America is a coward. What a great tale. Anyway. It's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah, that was this uh, Franklin, is that was the part where I was like, this feels real, but we'll talk about it when we get there. Yeah. <laughs> uh Franklin is gonna get brought in on, I will admit it, I had to Google the word a litter. Which, for those who don't know, is one of those um, things where people sit in it and then two to four to eight grown men, depending on how many people are riding, lift it up by handles and carry them around. Yeah. And he's not even going to go to the front door. He's going to go all the way inside. You know, used by something like a pharaoh or emperor. Maybe people we shouldn't (laughs) listen to use those. So he's going to enter. He's going to be treated like Norm from Cheers. But we are going to find out that 
he did it because he has the gout <laughs> and his uh, left foot is not functioning too well right now. Uh, Adams is going to be the last to stroll in. We can finally get to order. Uh, a man is going to call out how many meetings they had. I think at this point they're at like 329 and the janitor is going to be behind him. Sweet Jesus, <laughs> which is going to become a weird running gag through this film. Uh, and then also in the many weird gags that exist in the first hour of this movie, the president of Congress, who it took me a long time to hear the name John Hancock, um, uses a fly swatter in perfect time for where a gavel would be. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, it, it worked, but it was just a very weird gag. Uh, and here's where my notes start going into. I don't know anyone's name because Rhode Island is going to be cut off from his rum for the next three days, which I like is a weird timeout. <laughs> I love how belligerent uh, he is about it. Where he's like, you can't do this to me. I love the fact, too, he could probably just walk down the street and get his own rum, but this is free congressional yeah, rum. Sure, so, yeah. you know, uh, we're also going to find out that New Jersey, that all the delegates from New Jersey just never bother showing up. Uh, Thomas Jefferson, who, again, at this point, I did not realize was Thomas Jefferson, gives a weather report, including licking his finger, <laughs> sticking it out the window and being like, yeah, the wind's going to be about 10 miles per hour for the rest of the day. <laughs> Actually, in real life, I guess he took like meticulous um, weather report logs, like <laughs> to the point where now scientists are like now we know what weather was like in this area because he was just but anyways the hottest it ever got during this time period was 76 Woo. But, uh, whoa weird Ooh, hot but, i know weird right but all i can think is that i'm sure when you're dressed in all wool yeah that yeah. 76 feels like 120 and when you're like in a building with all the windows like closed up and yeah know. yeah fair now i just uh, can't so like help but think about david lynch pay playing thomas jefferson where he's like i'm just sitting in the continental congress the weather <laughs> yeah. report today a balmy 76 well i mean let's talk a little more about jefferson too in your little imaginary scenario here because he gives the weather report and then he says he's going home and Everyone in Congress begins joking about how he's going to go home to give it to his wife. <laughs> yep. Which we're going to find out is very factual, but also seems a little unprofessional for Congress. Yeah. They're all dirtbags. Also, he's not. We, we, we now know he's not just going home just to give it to his wife. <laughs> Other people gonna get it. It's not yet. Not yet. Not yeah, yet. you're right. Because it's after. It's after she passes. It's after she away, dies. Right? Yeah, yeah. I got all about that. We're gonna talk about talk about all that later. So they get a letter that British troops are heading to New York from Canada from one George Washington. We get our next sweet Jesus joke. Uh, so let's finish up that letter and then start getting some opinions. Sadly, I see no way of stopping them at the present time, as my army is absolutely falling apart. My military chest is totally exhausted. My commissary general has strained his credit to the last. My quartermaster has no food, no arms, no ammunition, and my troops are in a state of near mutiny. 
I pray God some relief arrives before the Armada, but fear it will not. Your obedient, G. Washington. Mr. President. Colonel McKeon. Surely we have managed to promote the gloomiest man on this continent to the head of our troops. Those dispatches are the most depressing accumulation of disaster, doom, and despair in the entire annals of military history. What? It's too hot. I mean, that sound clip was completely unnecessary, but I just love the way that man talks. Yeah. <laughs> I also, didn't know Scotty from Star Trek was in the Continental Congress. <laughs> <laughs> also, like, in fairness to George Washington, which you won't hear me say very often, they were starving. They were eating their horses, and Congress yeah. wasn't sending them any aid whatsoever was telling them, oh, yeah, we're going to gather all these people and send them your way and then just would, like, ignore his letters for six months. Like, it was, like, bad. <laughs> yep. I don't know, Bridget. I heard that New Brunswick is pretty happening. <laughs> <laughs> With the whoring and the drinking. Continue listening to find out what all that means. Uh, so they finally open a window only to hear Lee screaming. He's late, but he's he's there to do it. He's uh, there on behalf of Virginia with a resolution for independence. And Pennsylvania and Delaware move to postpone indefinitely. I think it's probably worth noting at this point that uh, Pennsylvania is the... It's not the only state, but Franklin is a representative of Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. who is very obviously independence. We've got Mr. Wilson, who's kind of a yes man. And then the other guy whose name I totally Dickinson. missed. Who, John Dickinson. Thank you. Oh, that's right. Dickinson, um, who Dickinson, is, yeah. he, he is just behind uh, South Carolina, or yeah, South Carolina and being against independence. So Pennsylvania is going to be kind of a weird state in this. So Pennsylvania and Delaware are going to move to postpone indefinitely. So there's a vote. New Hampshire votes like normal people. What up? John Adams makes a <laughs> yeah, gigantic show. Wait, wait 200 years. <laughs> yeah, true. John Adams uh, is going to make a big show for Massachusetts. Rhode Island's busy on the toilet from all the rum he's been drinking. So they got to pass by him from now. Everyone else is going to vote like normal, except for New Jersey, who are missing. Uh, and then we're going to get to North Carolina with another running gag where North Carolina respectfully yields to South Carolina, where Liberace is going to stand up and give a very anti-Adam <laughs> speech. Look like, he does have such a Liberace outfit on. He does. And his yeah. hair has like a, he's like a, like a, almost like a Rod Stewart sort of hair going on too. So it's like, <laughs> it's really perfect. It, it is very Liberace. And he's going to say nay until all other colonies are on board. Uh, what about Mr. Hall from Georgia? He says, you know what? I'm not opposed to independence, but I'm new here. So I'm just going to stick with these Southern fellas and vote no. Uh, and then finally, Rhode Island's going to return from the outhouse as the deciding vote to be yay. So let's open things up for debate. The chair now declares this Congress a committee of the whole for the purpose of debating Virginia's resolution on independence. Mr. Dickinson. Well, now, you've got your way at last, Mr. Adams. The matter may now be discussed. 
<laughs> and I confess I'm almost relieved. Well, there's a question I've been fairly itching to ask you. Why? Why what, Mr. Dickinson? Well, why independence, Mr. Adams? Well, for the obvious reason that our continued association with Great Britain has grown intolerable. Well, to whom, Mr. Adams? To you? Well, then I suggest you sever your ties immediately, but... Please be kind enough to leave the rest of us where we are. For myself, I have no objection at all to being part of the greatest empire on Earth. He calls Adams nothing more than an agitator, and surely they can reform the police, I mean, um, the British policies towards the Americas. So uh, we get lots of digs and laugh happening in the debate. Uh, I do like that it does feel a little bit more like the British Parliament here. It is a little mm -hmm. more free-flowing and, and... Yeah, screaming at each other and all that stuff. Yeah, love that. Uh, the proposal gets called the work of the devil. So, quote, leave it in New England where it belongs. <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> Woo! <laughs> And then by special request, here's uh, here's one going out to Bridget that's going to end in a cane fight. <laughs> Damn it, man, we're at war right now. You may be at war. You, Boston and John Adams. You and your Pennsylvania proprietors. Oh, you cool, considerate men. You hang to the rear on every issue so that if we should go under, you'll still remain afloat. Are you calling me a coward? Yes, coward, madman, landlord, lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and like I said, they end up in a cane fight until one guy gets so worked up that the cancer gets him. So he's got to go because he's <laughs> sick and going to die and they want him to be with his family. Yeah. <laughs> um, For how... I mean, he did die of cancer, um, <laughs> that dude, but. <laughs> but really, he died. <laughs> he did die. But it was like eight years later. So the drama of him like on his deathbed coming in to do a, a vote, you know what I mean? Like, right. it's, it's, it's dramatized for your viewing pleasure. <laughs> he played that card for eight more years in the Continental <laughs> Congress. <laughs> <laughs> so at first, everyone's calm in the face of this mortality. But then Liberace is going to use the sickness to try and change the votes and end the debate. So another important part of this film is they have a, a board with all 13 colonies that has a yay column, a nay column, and then a, a, just a middle column where New York is going to spend a bunch of time. And they will slide the states from side to side with the most dramatic, like, shh, clunk, shh, clunk. It's actually really good. I, I really, I want, I want one of those in yeah, my home. Yeah, me too. I was just about to say, I want one of those. I don't know what I would use it for, but it rules. It's so you good for I making lean, it just like, Okay, Eileen, it's time for today's debate. Shh, clunk. Should I put like, kale or lettuce in the salad? Shunk. Or if you know, like, the dishes are done in the dishwasher or whatever, you could like, <laughs> clean. Uh, Bart pooped. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> so there's about to be a losing vote when, what do you know, the delegates from New Jersey show up. They just got lost on their way there and haven't been able to find it for like six days. Because they were stoned even then. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we were, we were uh, going to a Springsteen concert, and then we lost our, lost our time. And... So one of them lets, uh, it was brought up earlier that Franklin's son is the, what do they call him? The royal governor of New York. So Franklin's basically disowned him. So one of them lets him know, by the way, your son's been like taken hostage. So Franklin's going to ask uh, some, some like light questions about the situation, but overall, He's not particularly bothered I, by it. I believe he says, what did that little bastard do now? <laughs> yeah. uh, so, oh, oh man, I don't, Adam, okay, my notes say Adam gets up in his grill asking about independence. I am guessing Liberace. I'm not sure whose grill he was getting no, up no, in. No, the, the um, Vermont people. Like right away, he's like, where do you stand on independence? Because he needs them to put in their vote. Oh, right. No, the New Jersey people. Yeah, I mean, New Jersey, right? Yeah. Not Vermont. Um, so, I was thinking Vermont earlier when I said the stone thing. The New Jersey thing doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they legalized it now. It's Let's good. Let's retcon yeah. it. Yeah. So fearing the loss, the South demands that the vote be unanimous uh, with the vote on the need for a unanimous vote getting tied with New York abstained, so John Hancock needs to make a call. The principles of independence have no greater advocate in Congress than its president. That is why I must join those who vote for unanimity. Good God, John, what are you doing? You've sunk up! Now hear me out! Don't you see that any colony who opposes independence will be forced to fight on the side of England? What the hell are that we'll be sitting brother against brother! that our new nation will carry as its emblem the mark of Cain. I can see no other way. Either we all walk together, or together we must stay where we are. I mean, I agree with Hancock here, but it's a little on the nose setting up a Civil War sequel to this film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mark my words, in 100 years, shit will go down. 1864. So, Starring Adam... <laughs> So Adams is going to argue that they need to postpone because, uh, 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 oh, they need a declaration. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, because um, uh, the rest of the world, they need to know, uh, which Jefferson stands up very regally and steps in covering John Adams' ass, saying, hey, you know what? We're going to make it plain. So everyone's going to understand. Everyone's going to want to join us. So they vote on this postponement. It's a split vote, and what do you know? New York abstains. Mr. Secretary, New York abstains, courteously. Mr. Morris. What in hell goes on in New York? I'm sorry, Mr. President, but the simple fact is that our legislature has never sent us explicit instructions on anything. Never. That's impossible. Mr. President, have you ever been present at a meeting of the New York legislature? They speak very fast and very loud, and nobody listens to anybody else, with the result that 
nothing ever gets done. This movie hates government. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I uh, I love that the representative from New York sounds like Droopy Dog. <laughs> she totally does. We never got any legislation. <laughs> Have you ever been in? I can't do a Droopy Dog. Anyway, uh, so they're like, I don't. All right sometime in early July, we'll sort this out. We'll we'll get it sorted by then. It'll be fine. We won't stick a hard date on it, whatever. Who knows when it could be? So they form a committee. Uh, they try and get a, a, a committee to write the declaration. So Lee, guy who sings a song about his own name, <laughs> they ask him if he wants to be on. He's like, you know, I think I'm just going to go make myself governor of Virginia. So I'm all <laughs> pass on this. Uh, so Adams volunteers Jefferson. Jefferson, who's supposed to be home banging his wife. I believe you me, audience. This matters when I tell you this. So Franklin happily, happily leads Jefferson. I, at first, I thought it was to his office, but I guess he's leading him to the Liberty Bell. I don't know. And he calls for some rum. Rum. They lo- they all love rum. <laughs> and it's time for a song about who will write the Declaration of Independence. Uh, Adams, at this point, is like, I, I'm obnoxious and everyone hates me. I can't write it. Uh, he tries to pass it off to Franklin. This movie makes... Franklin out to be a good guy, but a lazy piece of crap. So he's like, yeah, I'm not doing it. So eventually it goes to Jefferson. And I believe the question is posed to him. Will you be a patriot or a lover? And to convince him. Are you an American or American American? (laughs) John Adams, as already mentioned, is played as a 40, 41, something like that. And he has to, he really does in this film say, look, Jefferson, I still get hard too, okay? Uh I really want to get some. I've got blue balls as well. We all need to suffer to make these things happen. Look, we all want to go home and pork our wives, but (laughs) independence. And they're all like, really, John? Although I do love the fact that this movie is going to lean into, without expressly showing it, John Adams is a by-the-book, getting-things-done sort of lover. But we will get there as well. He, For now, he's going to leave Jefferson with a quill and a guilt trip. So we cut to late at night, where Jefferson is trying to write out the Declaration of Independence. But he is writing garbage. He has block. So he busts out his violin to play solo for a little while. (laughs) We're going to cut to the next morning where Franklin and Adams arrive hearing the music. Adams being like, I should be hearing the scratching of a quill. Uh, So they bust in. Benjamin Franklin immediately just goes to Jefferson's bed and falls asleep. (laughs) Not even relaxes. He actually falls asleep. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, It has apparently been a week. The floor is just littered with tossed paper that Jefferson feels is garbage. Um, And so Adams is is giving him a speech. And then we're going to get a joke that I think is 
super good. It's very subtle, but very super good. Look at him, Franklin. Virginia's most famous lover. Virginia abstains. Cause he ain't getting any friend. What? <laughs> Just then a young lady walks in. Benjamin Franklin gets immediately horny and on his feet, but it's Jefferson's wife. Adam sent for her figuring once Jefferson gets his rocks off, he can just write the damn thing. Uh, Adams is going to try and introduce himself, but the second Jefferson and his wife see each other, they just begin necking. It's like, they don't care who is around them. They don't care who's watching. Who knows? Maybe they like people watching. I'm not here to judge. So <laughs> why do you Franklin, think they kept those slaves? <laughs> <laughs> and Martha is played by Blythe Danner. And yeah. Blythe Danner was pregnant with Gwyneth Paltrow while filming this movie. Whoa. So Gwyneth Paltrow is also in this movie. Weird. I know. Weird, right? Well, that explains why that like one congressman is trying to sell like supplements and jade eggs. It's really weird and out of place. <laughs> and candles that smell like yeah, vagina. Yeah, exactly. That explode. Yeah, yeah. Like what? The representative from New Jersey is here to talk about steaming your vagina. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so Franklin's going to drag Adams out of there so Jefferson can dip his quill in some ink. Uh, huh? Huh? <laughs> Adams is absolutely shocked that they would do that in the middle of the afternoon. In the middle because of the that day. The middle of the afternoon. Because that's that song hasn't come out. <laughs> so yeah, there's no they've never heard of Afternoon Delight. Uh, Skyrockets, definitely not. Too early. We uh we are going to clearly find out that Batman is a descendant of John Adams. <laughs> hey, more on that joke later. Um, <laughs> first timely. <laughs> first Franklin has his own booty call to get to. He tells Adams, he's like, yeah, I got this thing going on over there. So I'm out. <laughs> so with no one else, Adams begins to fantasize the conversation, conversation with Abigail. You know, those letters they wrote to each other. <laughs> she, uh, she's going to catch him up on the kids diseases. Cause you know, it's probably a good thing to know. Yeah. Different uh, ones have measles now. <laughs> In typical New Englander fashion, they are going to talk about how everyone from anywhere else in the country is super soft and nothing compared to a New Englander. It was funny because uh, at one point, Abigail's like, how did she manage to get away? And John's like, slaves. That's why she was able to get away because the slaves do all the work down there. So uh, Abigail and John both sing to each other about... They're blue balls because apparently they both have them at this point. They've been apart for a while. Mm -hmm. I think at least a year it was already said in this movie. Uh, so John is going to go back to his bunk, I'm assuming, or to the Liberty Bell, as we already discussed. And I'm just I'm just going to play a little clip of this song. Y'all take from it whatever you like. And is my favorite lover's pillar still firm and fair? What was that, Still is that, 
Come soon as you can to my cloister. I forgot in the feel of your hand. So no idea what that song means. Anyway, uh, Franklin's going to come along and find Adams passed out in front of Jefferson's apartment. The shutters are still closed, which apparently in 1776 was the sock on the doorknob. Uh, Adams is going to talk about the ridiculousness of the sexy situation, but Franklin tells him the history books are going to clean this up. Don't you worry. We can have all the orgies we want. No one's ever going to know about it. Uh, and then finally, Jefferson's wife is going to come down telling them that Tom's still passed out upstairs. <laughs> The more I say Tom, I'm just imagining Tom Brady and mattresses. That's my own thing. Anyway. <laughs> he had already put himself Adam, down, if, if you know what I mean, by the time I got <laughs> And like earlier when I said, you know, slaves, John said slaves. It wasn't John Adams. It was John Crawford. Just want to. <laughs> Touche. I mean, it, honestly, it could have been both Johns. Yeah. It could have. Because um, we're, we're, the movie's going to get into that. Uh, so Adams tries to ask her about her day, but every question he asks sounds like innuendo. So he keeps stopping himself. Uh, and then finally, Martha is going to sing a song about how amazing Tom is and how very anti Batman he is. So let's just go ahead and break that down for anyone who's not on Twitter. Uh -huh. Um, well, actually, no, just. If you really want to know, Google uh, Harley Quinn season three and Batman. Also, Harley Quinn, terrific show. Highly recommend you check it out. I will just say in season three, apparently Warner Brothers objected to Batman going down on Catwoman. Oh, geez, I said too much. Anyway, Martha's singing a song about how high she is and how great his finger fingers are on the violin or whatever. And yeah. she dances very wildly with Franklin. But then when she approaches Adams, he is very composed. And so at first they need to do like all the proper 1776 dance stuff before <laughs> he starts getting a little more loose with his dance moves. And then finally Jefferson walks out, drops what they believe is the Declaration of Independence, but is actually a note just telling Adams to leave him alone because he's got more... Um, fields to sow <laughs> he's got more violin to play yeah he's got more strings to pluck this quill doesn't have enough ink so <laughs> uh franklin's gonna say to adams maybe i should have just written it myself because at my age there's little doubt that the pen is mightier than the sword <laughs> Uh, and Adams, Adams and Franklin, Franklin are going to walk off arm in arm singing about violins together. <laughs> now we've crossed the hour mark and this movie is going to get way more serious. But man, I had fun <laughs> with that first hour. It's where I stopped last night. So today was just all the talkie talkie. And the sad song. And the sad like, song. Yeah. When the soldier yeah, comes no, in. No, no, no. Yeah, no, no. I know. I know. Song. Yeah. Oh, I, I thought you were like, sad song? No, no, no. I was just like, yeah, the sad song. We always fast forward past it. <laughs> I did it's watch so, it this Rightfully. Time. It's so weird, too. We'll get to it. But it's also like the thing that is shot the most like an actual stage show. Yeah. 
with like the rotating heads yeah 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 and like the way the lighting has just like it's so weird yeah so we go back to congress adams is talking about how spirited the army is on june 22nd but just at that moment a letter from washington is going to arrive the continental soldier is as nothing ever seen in this or any other century he is a misfit ignorant of hygiene destructive disorderly and totally disrespectful of rank only this last is understandable as there is an incredible reek of stupidity amongst the officers the situation is most desperate at the new jersey training ground in new brunswick where every able-bodied whore in the whore in the colonies has assembled. There are constant reports of drunkenness, desertion, foul language, naked bathing in the Raritan River, and an epidemic of the French disease. <laughs> ah, the French. I shouldn't have had that pulled up. <laughs> uh. I love that, like, it just reads like the worst um, uh, uh, self-evaluation ever. <laughs> Where she's like, oh, you're going to give me a bad evaluation, but fuck you. <laughs> I mean, with Bridget's backstory, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. With my backstory? Uh, about well, Washington. you said about how, yeah, Washington wasn't getting the support he needed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He definitely wasn't. And so, honestly... Washington makes the smartest move because he writes a letter that mentions uh, uh, how all the whores in the nation have gone to New Brunswick. So the South wants to call call it quits. The gluttonous representative from Maryland mocks Adams, but Adams challenges him and he says, let's go to New Brunswick together. (laughs) And Adams is ready to hit the road immediately. Franklin is passed out, but then someone says to him the words whoring and drinking, and he is immediately awake. His gout is somehow cured, <laughs> and he is ready to join them. It just needs the little sound effect when, like, they mention pizza, and Michelangelo goes Burp, in the first Ninja Turtles movie. It's just that. Yes. So late at night, um, I, I put down a crew is messing around in Congress, so basically all the congressmen have left. So we've got the janitor, we've got the soldier who delivers letters, and someone else who's like a mailboy or something like that, who is inconsequential to the rest of the film, other yeah. than to have three people there. Um, Which is the one from the Wada ch- Town. <laughs> that that's the uh, soldier, right? Yep. Yeah, I think I think yeah, Martin. Yeah, uh, the janitor makes a good point, which I think uh, is something we should bring up again later in this film that it's not like these congressmen are going to be the ones fighting the war that they are signing up for. Mm-hmm. Um, and a young man who I am going to call Pippin gives a sad, <laughs> weird speech about seeing his best friends murdered, which brings up the song that Bridget already mentioned. Mm-hmm. He it's sings so- a sad, weird song that sounds a lot like that song from Lord of the Rings that Pippin sings. It does. It does. You're right. I, uh, I love that. It starts where he's like, not that he's like, Hey, yeah. So both my friends get shot in the head. Yeah. He's like very smiley. <laughs> yeah, and... It's so weird. And then he just gets real sad. 
Yeah. <laughs> he's he's happy that his friends died, but then he's sad when one of the moms like hung around the corpse for too long. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> sorry, Bridget, anything more on this weird sad song? Because I know you No, I we would always every time we watched it, we would fast forward past it because it's just so sad. But it like gets it gets stuck in my head all the time. <laughs> A lot of these songs oh. from this movie get stuck. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, bust out a mama, look sharp, but yeah, it's, <laughs> it's no good, man. It's like, it doesn't fit with the rest of the movie. I mean, it fits with reality, but this movie is obviously yeah. not anywhere in the realm of reality. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, for sure. so it's like, it doesn't fit the theme. It's like, you never, you never tried to establish how rough it was on the armies and the soldiers and everything like that. Clearly, by the way, you mock George Washington's letters about how bad it is for them. To, you know I, mean? I know, like, 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 what a fucking like whiner. But then all of a sudden you have this person who's like, let me explain to you how this isn't just, you know, guys sitting in a room deciding the future of the country. This is like boys dying and their mothers collecting their bodies. And it's like, obviously it makes sense and it's whatever, but it doesn't fit with the rest of the theme of the movie. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, it completely yeah. has a place and is very important to acknowledge. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Not it, not in the tone of this film, no, where no. we've spent an hour forty-five minutes of which is basically joking about sex. Yeah, or yeah. like there was a couple of poop jokes too, like when he was in the yes, like they're just like dirty old dudes like with poop and penis jokes the whole time. It's <laughs> it's amazing, I guess. So we uh, go back to regular daytime Congress. The secretary reads out the declaration. None of that night Congress. That's what that night Congress is what uh, the Jeffersons are up to. Am I right? <laughs> uh, so Jefferson's waiting outside. I'm very disappointed. We do not go to New Brunswick with Adams. <laughs> Jefferson's waiting outside. You don't. You don't in the Adams... extended either. I just wanted to let you know, like you don't go to New Brunswick in the extended. I figured if we had, I, I mean, would it's totally based... be like we would watch that. But it's based on a play. Like you know, they only have so many set pieces. Like all the yeah. scenes in this movie are really long because it's based on a play, which is that's how it operates. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And there are like three sets. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so Adams and Franklin return excited with positive news. Uh, they stay outside while, uh, while the declaration continues to be read. Um, Adams says he is to be congratulated for making Jefferson write it. So that's a good sense of our founding fathers right there. <laughs> uh, and, and that's followed up with them singing about how they are all going to be immortal because they're awesome. Uh, they are raising an egg. And then the only dispute that they have is whether the egg should be an eagle, a turkey, or a dove. And I am going to go on record saying Je Jefferson. Yeah, Jefferson was. No, 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 no. Jefferson was Franklin. the dove. Uh, no, Franklin was right. right. It should yeah. have been the wild turkey. Yeah, no, this yeah is, when he was this like, is... describing the turkey, I was like, yes. That's how they are. Yeah. This is real too. Like he was <laughs> pissed about the eagle. He fucking he was so angry. Like the stuff where he's just like they're thieves and scoundrels are like direct Franklin quotes. 
But we, so are we as Americans. Yeah, so no. I think the eagle fits fine. Yeah, I think, I think, <laughs> you know, for, for, for pie in the sky, uh, uh, you know, you're really like, you're making your vision board. You want to be like the turkey. You don't yeah. want to be like the eagle. Yeah. I, well, no, I would say pie in the sky, I would go dove. Like if we were doing Mary Bop kill here, I'd marry the dove, bop the turkey, kill the eagle. But <laughs> like... Our, and then our be immediately is put on a, a list for killing a, an endangered species. But <laughs> man, you know me, I just can't help but kill them animals. They look at me weird. <laughs> and <I> just like, <laughs> yeah, I know. It's so weird. It's like covered in pig's blood. It's bizarre. Speaking of him being like, oh, I should be congratulated for this. Have I ever told you how we got Poppy? No. I believe I have heard this tale, but the audience would not have. <laughs> So anyways, um, Poppy, she's my almost 18-year-old um, girl. She's amazing, and she is... Cat. She's your almost 18-year-old girl cat, to be clear. <laughs> girl cat. Girl cat. Yes. And she's amazing, and everybody loves her. But It's true. Um, <laughs> so, we, so somebody that John was friends with, who I never liked, by the way, <laughs> he was friends with him. <laughs> And John we went, Adams. we went over their house one day and I saw this like scrawny, like didn't have a ton of fur, like emaciated cat. What I thought was a kitten walking around. And I'm like, what, what is this? You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, <laughs> what's wrong with this kitten? Like, whatever. And, and like, everybody would like, like stomp around her and she was scared and jumped off and I was like what the fuck is this so come to find out she was two years old so I was like okay I'm taking this cat <laughs> like I'm literally going to take this cat like I don't care whose fucking cat it is I'm taking this fucking cat so I took the cat and I've had it ever and I've had her ever since but anyways um that friend came over at one point for some reason I hated him <laughs> but whatever he came over for some reason and he um saw the cat and saw how much healthier she was and was like if you know Poppy she's a big furball puff to the point where I have to shave her when it gets hot because she chokes on her own fur because it's so much she had like like the, the shortest thinnest fur when I brought her home right so got her back to health got her to a good weight and he comes over and he says he goes Wow, letting you guys take this cat was the best thing I have done. Like, that's, the, he's like, this is, because of me, Poppy is doing well. Poppy's an 18-year-old cat. Poppy would not have been at that point had it not been for you. And she's great. And she's friend of the show's Jared's best friend. Yeah. It's true. It's yeah. true. It's true. <laughs> well, Bridget, but good anyways. thing you did, you did what that man commanded you do. To save that cat. I was just like, I'm taking this cat. <laughs> and her name, her name was Sierra at the time. But when you said the word Sierra in front of her, she'd flinch every oh, time. No. How oh, horrible God. is that? Yeah, it was awful. So we were like, so we just started making like syllables. And then one of us popped up with Poppy. And she loved, and she was like, she started purring. So we named her Poppy. Well, I call, but I call her whoopie pie all the time whoopie pie all the time because she looks like a whoopie pie but anyways that's my totally off topic 
conversation. But for anyone who hasn't met Poppy, she is the best. <laughs> she the is. happiest. I was going to say the happiest, dumbest cat. That seems a little mean, but Poppy's she, not super smart. She's, she's just super, super friendly. No. Yeah, she's just, she just wants love. She's a simple cat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so going back to June 28th, 1776, uh, John Hancock is going to ask if people have opinions on the declaration that uh, was just read aloud and everyone hollers out. Uh, the first question is that there's not enough God in there, which wasn't really a question, but hey, whatever. Um, suddenly, while they're talking, the the far side calendar is ripped to June 29th. It's the terrific comic about the guy pushing on the pull door. Um, <laughs> lightning strikes as they tear the calendar on that one. And the debate continues. Jefferson keeps accepting all of the amendments people have with no objection to Adam's disdain. Uh, and then finally, real quick, <laughs> real quick sound clip here. The janitor is even going to pitch in. Mr. Hancock. What is it, Mr. McNair? I can't say I'm very fond of the United States of America as a name for a new country. <laughs> I don't care what you're fond of, Mr. McNair. You're not a member of this Congress. I mean, it's we the people, dude, and he's not wrong. It's not a name that flows off the tongue. Let's talk SEO, shall we? <laughs> We're going to cut to the calendar officially turning to June 30th. Ooh, and this is where so we get close. to the word. And this is too close to what, Quentin? I don't know when this is going to end. I have no idea. It could go it's on It's going to be a surprise. It ends with a concert at the Hat Show. <laughs> <laughs> Keith Lockhart's back, baby. <laughs> so they're going to get to the word tyrant. And this is where Jefferson is finally going to stand up for anything that he's written and make an impassioned argument about how they're not free, which gets some quiet dissent. Uh, Mr. Wilson, one of the yes men who we'll get to a little later, starts to have an opinion about the word tyrant. But then um, the other dude from Pennsylvania stares at him and he's like, oh, right. I don't get to have an opinion. So uh, I'm just going to sit down over here and let's hear a little from Jefferson. Just a moment, Mr. Thompson. I do not consent. The king is a tyrant, whether we say so or not. We might as well say so. But I already scratched it out. Then scratch it back in. Put it back, Mr. Thompson. The king will remain a tyrant. <laughs> uh, and we jump to July 1st. I tried to add a 30 in there. We're not that far ahead. It's just July 1st. Uh, they, this is where they get into deep sea fishing and Adams just loses it. Uh, it seems like things are about done. They're, they're finally getting there, but then Liberace's really not done. <laughs> he has waged cruel war against human nature itself and the persons of a distant people who never offended him, captivating and carrying them into slavery in another hemisphere, determined to keep open a market where men should be bought and sold. He has prostituted that his will suffice, Mr. Thompson. I thank you, sir. Mr. Jefferson, I can't quite make out what it is you're talking about. Slavery, Mr. Rutledge. Oh, yes. You're referring to us as slaves of the king. No, sir. I'm referring to our slaves. Black slaves. Oh. 
Black slaves. Why didn't you say so, sir? Were you trying to hide your meaning? No, sir. Just another literary license, then. If you like. I don't like at all, Mr. Jefferson. So again, setting up that sequel, the South is really unhappy with language about being anti-slavery. And of course, Liberace is going to turn it to the economy because what matters more than the almighty dollar? USA, USA. And to really emphasize this point, Liberace is going to bust out his candelabra and sing a song about how great rum and slaves are. Yeah. Like this. Yeah. Actually, no, there's one other thing in there. It's rum slave. It's rum something else in slaves in his song. But there's like three things. He's like, you like rum. Molasses. You might as well like slaves. Oh, molasses, right. Yeah. Molasses. Oh, yes. Molasses. Right. Right. Which. You know, the molasses has to be a clear dig at John Adams and the Boston molasses disaster of <laughs> 19, actually, I don't remember 1909. The Boston molasses <laughs> disaster that hasn't happened yet. He's a precog. <laughs> um, also nominating this for the weirdest song of the movie. Like, okay, I get it. The bad guy has got to sing a song about being pro-slavery, but the lighting of the scene gets super weirdly dark and then eventually bongo drops come into it <laughs> it's with a special appearance by song. oingo boingo yeah <laughs> the song is about the slave trade and how um basically the point of the song is that you know massachusetts is also culpable in slavery because they are part of the triangle trade that whatever um yeah. Which hey, isn't wrong. Which isn't wrong. Here's, here's <laughs> and at the end, he's like, we're both monsters, is what he says at the end. But he doesn't give a shit. You there's know a, what I mean? There's a reason why there's a lot of Cape Verdeans in New Bedford, and it's mm. not good. Yikes. So he's going to finish that song. The Southern delegation is just going to walk on out. New guy, Dr. Hall, is the last one. He's going to pause, but then he's still going to leave. Uh, and so, so everyone is getting in bummed. This movie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and well, the, everyone's getting bummed out right now. And then a previous coward, Mr. Maryland shows up and he's so happy because he's got the support of his constituents for independence. But since they need a unanimous vote, everything seems lost. And Adams is like, Bring back Mr. Cancer. And everyone's like, John, you're getting dark, dude. He's like, no, we need him here. And this is the only way we're going to win this thing. So he's trying to like organize everyone. John Adams is not giving up. He's like going to get everyone to do stuff because tomorrow's the day. And everyone else is like, yeah, no, I'm gonna go find some outside rum none of this congress <laughs> rum for me right now uh and so then it's down to franklin well there's a few other people there but really this sound clip is just franklin and adams we have no choice john the slavery clause has got to go franklin what are you saying it's a luxury we can't afford a luxury. A half million souls in chains 
And Dr. Franklin calls it a luxury. Maybe you should have walked out with the South. You forget yourself, sir. I founded the first anti-slavery society on this continent. Oh, don't wave your credentials at me. Perhaps it's time you had them renewed. The issue here is independence. Perhaps you've forgotten that fact, but I have not. How dare you jeopardize our cause when we've come so far? So the argument continues on from there, but the basic crux of it is like, we need independence first for ourselves, then we worry about independence for the slaves. A <laughs> hundred years later. Yeah, that'll work. <laughs> so this, John Adams storms out. When we were recording this, we're like a few days away from Juneteenth. Yes. So, yeah. You know. Uh-huh. Anyways. So John Adams heads on up to the Liberty Bell. He is whining to himself about having to live in Philly. Uh, he yeah, I hear that, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what does he do? He has another forced connection with Kylo Abigail, and they both wallow in the fact <laughs> that he's a... He's a true hero giving up everything for his country. You know, I mean, yeah. aside from being out there on the front lines and taking a bullet or something like that, he's giving up everything for his country. Getting so laid. they have he's a... giving up getting laid for his country. This is what's happening. <laughs> oh, yeah, he sure he is. <laughs> Are there any other sacrifices, Bridget? No. no. <laughs> yeah. No. Listen, Bridget. The Washington Monument stands tall for all the men who had to make the sacrifice. Mm -hmm. The ultimate sacrifice. <laughs> so they have a mournful make-believe chat about how he can't give up. And he gets interrupted by a janitor who calls up that he has a delivery. What's the delivery? Well, at first, Abigail sings to him that it's coffee, but really the important part is that it's salt peter which i say is the important part it's not the important part it doesn't matter it just gives him hope that's I, all it is i like wish i i wish you had pulled this clip because it's like the most like parody of a musical thing ever when she's just like it's salt peter <laughs> it's like the music swells like, john <laughs> So he orders the janitor to buy every single pin in Philly because he is going to return the favor. I also love that he uh, shits on Abigail for not knowing how to make saltpeter. But then where the janitor is like, what kind of pin? He's like, I'm, what the fuck do women? I don't know. Right. <laughs> the stabby kind. <laughs> uh, so, but he's invigorated. And he goes up and finds Franklin. He's like, why are you just sitting around, friend? We have things to do today. And he orders Jefferson to go work with the South because Jefferson is like the closest. I love Franklin's uh, response, which is like, I'm not talking to you, man. Yeah, right. You called me but he says it like a question. Like five minutes ago. Yeah, fuck off, God. <laughs> We're not friends anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, and then with everyone else out of there. Uh, President Hancock says that he is mass before pass and he will do whatever <laughs> Adams says. But Adams is like, no, dog, you need to be impartial. And uh, noble. I, I'd say that's important, but it's 
He's actually not even a little bit. So anyway, Speaker <laughs> Dickinson sings a song about how he believes Washington is writing specifically to him. Like, he believes General Washington is writing these letters to quote-unquote Congress, but they're really secret messages for him. Yeah. He also pulls out a couple locks of George's hair that he sniffs <laughs> for a little bit before stuffing them back in his pocket. I'm glad I wasn't the only one who thought this was some John Hinckley shit. <laughs> uh and then he goes off with george's letter to do whatever <laughs> leaving adams alone to sing a song about how he's gonna stand up to everyone and he finishes singing to himself uh asking if anyone cares or can see and you know what someone can see because finally this is when mr hall walks in i'm sorry if i startled you I couldn't sleep. And in trying to resolve my uh, dilemma, I remembered something I'd once read. That a representative owes the people not only his industry, but his judgment. And he betrays them if he sacrifices it to their opinion. That was written by Edmund Burke, a member of the British Parliament. And after dropping that bomb, Mr. Hall walks over, moves Georgia over to the yay side of the vote, drops his mic, says goodnight, leaves the room. (laughs) Uh, And Adams begins hearing a bunch of voices in his head and looks dismayed. The voices are all sound clips from earlier in the movie, but (laughs) basically... The feeling I got from this scene was Santa saying, ho, 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 as he kicks Ralphie down the slide. Mm -hmm. That's a good, uh, Uh, yes. Right? It felt like that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did. And while he's sitting there, while all this is happening, the light actually changes around him because we're going to the next day. The calendar's ripped to July 2nd. Mr. Cancer walks in. This is it. (laughs) It's time for the vote. (laughs) But keep in mind, you guys, Uh only one nay vote ruins everything. New York abstains because, of course, but that's not a nay. Uh, They get to Pennsylvania. Franklin says they need more time. So why don't you talk to Mr. Cancer? Because, again, Pennsylvania is a split state at this point. North Carolina yields to South Carolina. South Carolina. South Carolina wants to have a conversation with Mr. Adams before he votes. Remove the offending passage from your declaration. If we did that, we would be guilty of what we ourselves are rebelling against. Nevertheless, remove it. South Carolina will bury now and forever your dream of independence. Sean, I beg you consider what you're doing. Mark me, Franklin. If we give in on this issue, posterity will never forgive us. That's probably true, but we won't hear a thing. We'll be long gone. Besides, what will posterity think we were? Demigods, we're men, no more, no less. Another sound clip that I could have ended earlier, but 
Hey, y'all, the Founding Fathers are not demigods. Did you hear it? The movie just said that, so it makes it true. I don't know, man. This is written in, like, stone, and I don't think we can just, like, scratch things out or change things ever <laughs> or at all. Scratch it back in. Yeah, scratch it back in. Yeah, I don't think it's possible. I think what they wrote has to stay forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> makes but perfect sense. More important. More importantly right now, Quentin is what they didn't write because Adams is going to walk up and cross the slavery stuff out of the Declaration of Independence himself. South Carolina votes yay. He also gets North very, Carolina votes the same. very reckless holding it. He's like crinkling it up. He's like, hi, you happy. Ha! Ha! <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? He, he drew a picture of Calvin just pissing on that paragraph. Yeah, it was really <laughs> weird. It's so weird that that piece of paper, though, is the same one that Ben Gates steals. Like, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we finally get back to Pennsylvania and the representative or the uh, no, sorry. Um, what, what do they call the, the head delegate of the state? The deacon or something like that? Deacon's not the right sure. word. But Priest. anyway, you all know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, the church dude from uh, Pennsylvania <laughs> yep. is about to stand up and say nay, but Franklin's like, hey, you know what? I call for the delegation to be pulled. Franklin's a yay. Other dudes a nay. It all comes down to Mr. Wilson. This guy we have not cared about the entire movie. The closest we came to was that sound clip from a while ago. Well, I Franklin, don't know. <laughs> I, I wanted to get all of this. I, I It just was too long. But I will preface this by saying Franklin has like a good 30 seconds of like, hey, no pressure, Mr. Wilson. Just the birth of a nation lying <laughs> on your shoulders. No big deal at all. But he's not the only one who's going to have a say here. We mustn't let Dr. Franklin create one of his confusions. The question is clear. Most questions are clear when someone else has to decide. It would be a pity for a man who's handed down hundreds of wise decisions from the bench. Guys, I'm just going to pause this real quick. There's more sound clip to play. Can I just put it on the record that whenever I say dumb things, you refer to it as one of Matt's confusions? Because I would (laughs) really like that. Uh We mustn't let Dr. Franklin create one of his confusions. The question is clear. Most questions are clear when someone else has to decide. It would be a pity for a man who's handed down hundreds of wise decisions from the bench to be remembered only for the one unwise decision he made in Congress. James, you're keeping everybody waiting. The secretary has called for your vote. Please. Don't push me, John. I know what you want me to do. But Mr. Adams is correct about one thing. I'm the one who'll be remembered for it. What do you mean? I'm different from you, John. I'm different from most of the men here. That's because his name's not John. I don't want to be remembered. (laughs) I just don't want the responsibility so he continues to have a monologue about basically like i just want to disappear into obscurity 
the independence people are the cool kids now. So I'm just going to vote with them because John Hancock wrote his name real big on this thing. He actually hasn't written it yet, but John Hancock's going to write his name real big on this thing. And no one's going to notice my tiny little signature. Uh, so the resolution on independence is adopted and everyone becomes mournful for a little <laughs> bit uh, until. Oh, uh, so sorry. Before we get to that, Mr. Pennsylvania, the the uh, naysaying Mr. Pennsylvania is going to bow out. He's like, I'm leaving Congress because I think we should make up with the crown. But also, I'm going to grab a gun and fight with you guys but I just don't want it on the record that I'm grabbing a gun and fighting with you guys. Anyway, this is a really weird speech. I know. <laughs> and we cut to July 3rd time to finalize everything. Adams from Harvard wants a quick <laughs> correction of grammar. Uh, he and Jefferson are going to throw down about it. But uh, everyone's going to mock Adams and he's going to finally back off. Now I'm trying to remember actually what the word is because it's like one of the key words. Thank you. That's right. And actually yeah. Jefferson, this, I don't know if the argument actually happened. No, I think the argument did happen in Congress about the grammar. But in post, it became um, Adams' way. So like when he says, I'll just talk to the printer later, he actually did and, <laughs> and had it changed uh. in post. Uh, Hancock does sign there's a joke about his big signature they all laugh about being hung and I'm not talking the horny type I'm talking like the For death once. type <laughs> and um, so basically like at first they're all mournful then they're all laughing and then the final letter from Washington is going to show up and I begin to notice that many of us are lads under 15 and old men, none of whom could truly be called soldiers. One personal note to Mr. Lewis Morris of New York. I must regretfully report that his estates have been totally destroyed, but that I have taken the liberty of transporting Mrs. Morris and eight of the children to Connecticut in safety. The four older boys are now enlisted in the Continental Army. As I write these words, the enemy is plainly in sight beyond the river. How it will end, only Providence can direct. But dear God, what brave men. I shall lose. Before this business ends. I mean. Good reading from the actor playing the speaker, but also for what has mostly been this very buoyant movie, we're going to end on super somber notes, which is going to get a little more somber in a moment. Yeah. But yeah. Also, I do love that uh, that Washington's like, yeah, come around to these little rap scallions. I'm mean, grown attached. <laughs> I feel bad. They're all getting murdered. <laughs> I guess they can whore around a little bit. <laughs> Who am I to judge? We're all going to die so young. <laughs> so I think this is the first time we don't get a sweet Jesus from the uh, letter from Washington. Instead, the janitor is going to rip off the calendar. Do you guys believe it? It's July 4th. Whoa. I would have never known. Oh, I was shocked. What a coincidence. 
Mr. Morris of New York is finally not abstaining anymore. He is going to sign. And so I have one more sound clip, but I'm going to, well, I'm going to leave it up to Quinn what to do with it. I think we're probably going to use it as the transition to break, but essentially the rest of this movie. And again, I mentioned how, when they do a vote, they focus on every single person. So one by one, we are going to get every single person signing the declaration while the janitor goes upstairs to ring the, the Liberty bell. But the music that is gonna, I mean, Quentin, do you want to describe the music? You're the one who wanted this clip. It is a fucking dirge. It's (laughs) like a funeral procession. It's insane. It's so like overdramatic and like mournful. It doesn't make any sense. It makes zero sense with the rest of the movie where they're like, we did it. We got independence. You know, the cost was high. Right. The cost will be high, but it's still like gong. It's it's a song for the alternate history where America lost the war and someone is making this movie about, oh, that rebellion that one time. Mm-hmm. Right. Or you could even argue like, now these people have signed their names to a document. They're going forward with it. They are now scared. They're going to get killed. They're yeah. they're now realizing with the George Washington's note, the cost of the war. But again, it does not fit with the um, flow, the vibe of this movie. <laughs> it also bleeds right into the credits, which is just like patriotic fife music. So. Yes, yes. Uh, sure. So I guess uh, after this sound clip, you'll hear a word from our sponsor and then we'll be back with more. Rhode Island, Mr. Stephen Hopkins. Connecticut, Mr. Roger Sherman. <laughs> Gong. New York. Mr. Lewis Morris. New Jersey, the Reverend John Witherspoon. Pennsylvania, Dr. Benjamin Franklin. Mr. Caesar Rodney. Maryland, Mr. Samuel Chase. Virginia, Mr. Thomas Jefferson. Carolina, Mr. Joseph Hughes. South Carolina, Mr. Edward Rutledge. Georgia, Dr. Lyman Paul.
noticed you're just not able to work the strings of your violin after a long stint away from the homestead? Are you getting more nays than yays in your private Continental Congress? Well, worry no more and say hello to Blue Bows. Blue Bows was developed by doctors and is the first clinically proven method for improving your fiddling in the colonies. Our patented treatment will get you back to the basics to get on with that tiny private concierto, fingering positions, bow stroking techniques, and the ever popular vibrato method. We'll get you back up to speed and playing in ways your partner has never heard or felt before. But hey, don't take my word for it. Benjamin Franklin, yes, that Benjamin Franklin, noted scientist and statesman, is a proud customer of Blue Bows. Mr. Franklin says, and, and I quote, At my age, you get a little tone deaf, but after completing the Blue Bows treatment, I was fiddling like a musician in a whorehouse. For a limited time only, listeners of this podcast get 20% off their first Blue Bows order. Just use the code REVOLUTION at checkout for your discount. Again, that's Blue Bows, and the offer code is REVOLUTION. So hurry up and order today so you can ring your partner's Liberty Bell for this 4th of July. So that is how our country was born. That's how it tis a vid. Tis, that's how it tis a vid. <laughs> this sweet land of liberty. Mm-hmm. <sighs> you want to hear some fun facts first? Yeah, absolutely. And then you can Hell hear about yeah. my love for this movie. The conflicting love oh, I have. Say, can you see so even though this movie... Makes it seem Sorry. like John Adams was obnoxious and disliked by actually having a song about him being obnoxious and disliked. Um, David McCullough, in his research, was like, everybody had nothing but lovely things to say about John Adams. John Adams was the one who hated himself and was very yeah. self-deprecating and just yeah. like, so, but everybody else, I mean, he argued, he argued, he was a lawyer. He argued in Congress and got into fights in congress yeah. but and he did stuff like he he defended the british soldiers yeah because he believed that they had a right to a fair to, trial to a fair trial yeah yeah, yeah. so and he, and he got them off which, right which doesn't doesn't <laughs> win him any points but um, he played with their washington monuments <laughs> uh but yeah like in mccullough's uh biography he like like he talks about how like the the thing where like <laughs> Adams is essentially Chris Farley from the Chris Farley show sketch where he's just like stupid, oh, so stupid. Yeah, oh. yeah, exactly. And exactly. Abigail is the guest who has to be like, no, no, you're smart. You're it's okay, it's okay, John, it's okay. <laughs> During the filming of the Piddle Twiddle and Resolve song, <laughs> William Daniels had to suck on ice cubes so as not to give away the fact that the night was freezing cold. I don't know how sucking on ice would. Because his breath is, you won't see his breath. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. smart. It's an old miserable trick. Oh, wow. That's uh-huh. sad. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me see. Um, oh, I told you about the Gwyneth Paltrow being in this movie. Uncredited, mm-hmm. by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh do you have who uh, the the director is? Peter Hunt, Peter H. Hunt, uh, uh, uncle of 
Helen Hunt. Oh! And he just passed away last year. Star of another movie I watch when I go to bed all the time, Twister. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you know, during the debate, the slavery debate, you know, Jefferson being like, I've already decided to get rid of all my slaves. Fucking hell, whatever. But he actually, he did actually write in the Declaration of Independence, like in the first draft, like the whole thing about being anti-slavery, like how they should abolish slavery. He had that in there, but he was like a yeah. lifelong slaveholder. Yeah. So I, I, I don't under, I don't understand what his game was because he obviously, because in well, his, in his lifetime, he only freed two slaves. Yeah, but they had hundreds of slaves. He was yeah. the second. They built Monticello. Yeah, like yeah. it's. They um, literally he was the second um, um, most slaved slave owner in all of, of Virginia. <laughs> and like he. And we'll get into that, why that was in a couple facts from now. Yeah. But, anyways, but like, I mean, it, it. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Matt. No, no, please. I was just going to say it became like, I mean, there was like a huge contention between Adams and Jefferson because Adams was like a like a government, like federal centralist and Jefferson believed in states rights, states rights. And, um, but like it, the, the slavery thing became like a huge strain on their friendship. Oh yeah. John Adams was like, get rid of your fucking slaves. You asshole. And Jefferson was like, nah, <laughs> nah. nah, actually I'm going to well, so that's one instead. But. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what I was wondering if it, it yeah, something that I don't think we could ever know, but like if Jefferson really did mean it, if he was like, all right, you know what? If everyone else is going to get rid of their slaves, I get rid of my slaves. That's fine. But then once that was taken out of there, he was just like, well, I mean, those guys ain't getting up their slaves. So I don't, right. I don't, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. He's like, hey, mine. my slaves love me. I'll <laughs> never get rid of them. So when Martha and Thomas Jefferson got married, they part of her dowry was a large number of slaves. <laughs> and 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 then later on when her dad died, she got even more slaves, which is why um let me see. Uh he, he ended up owning 187 slaves because of the dowry. And, and I want to say this is one of the things where like Abigail Adams and, and Jefferson were friends too. So like they yeah. wrote and she was like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Right. Right. So, um, part of that package of slaves, you know, people, human beings was a woman named Betty Hemmings and her infant daughter, Sally. Oh, infant. Sally, cool. who is Martha's half sister. Oh, cool <laughs> yeah yeah they have the same dad so you know <laughs> so also wait i just sorry before we slip by this every time i remember dowries were actually a thing is yeah. just i my mind is perpetually blown every time that comes up yeah like they're they're still they're you, still a thing in different parts of the world. And it's, it's funny too because um like um uh Regency era era stories like I love 
And there's yeah. always like some question, like the family's like secretly pretending that they're not bankrupt and that they've already spent her dowry <laughs> and how uh-huh. it's going to ruin her yeah. fucking life because yep. like we can't marry you off. We're going to have to marry you for love because yeah. we're not going to be able <laughs> to pay a man to take you. It's like ridiculous. Yeah, it's fucked up. But oh, anyways, wait, Bridget, okay, when you put ahead. it that way, that makes sense. Like <laughs> I, I clearly should be paid to have to spend time with a woman (laughs) i have to play violin with her right it's it's so martha i'm only gonna batman it okay unless you pay me really well (laughs) heroes don't do that (laughs) martha died in 1782 and then she asked him never to marry again on her deathbed which is i don't know that's weird it's a fucking move. Which he didn't. He didn't. <laughs> you know, he fucked no, her half sister, but uh, and yeah. had illegitimate children. <laughs> um, let me see. And then, about ten years later, or like you know, ten fifteen years later, Jefferson and Sally hooked up when she was fourteen and acting as the nanny to his daughter when he went to Paris. So that's when their relationship began. When he was like forty five. <laughs> She was 14, so. Great balls of fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another movie uh-huh. that I want us to watch because it's fucked up and it's nowhere to be found. I do not have the VHS of that movie. <laughs> um, okay, let me see. Okay, so the Dickinson stuff, right? Uh-huh. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. It wasn't that he was against independence. His thing was, okay, so first off, which they never mentioned in the movie, he was a Quaker. And and so he's a fucking pacifist. Yeah. And he said, well, first of all, he's like, I'm not necessarily against independence. He's like, but we need to come up with the articles of, you know, we need to have a government set up. We need to know what the fuck we're doing. And we should not do anything until we are assured that we're going to get um, foreign aid. Right. Right. Which, which they do. Did Adams bring it up in this movie? But, But no, I mean, someone specifically brings it up this movie. I didn't cover it. Excuse me. It's not Dickinson. I, I I feel like it was like Adams or Franklin who brings it up in yeah. this movie. Yeah. So anyways, he was waiting for France to jo- jump on board. He said, we need to have a set government. We can't just like erratically just decide, pull away. We can't Brexit is basically what he was saying. <laughs> and then like you said, like you were saying, he's, he's a pacifist. He, the whole yeah. idea of war was just, just, galling to him like he did not want anything to do with that he did he did end up leaving to go fight in the war but more so as a like he's like i love this country and i love what we're doing but you know what i mean i don't feel right being here making these rules for people so he was actually like and he has he was one of like the first like you know of of that time, like feminists, he like believed women were equal. He believed, you know, women shouldn't have to be paid off with dowries. He like, he, he, that's what he believed. He thought women were great. So, so it's funny how the movie kind of like shapes him as being the villain. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, that's one thing I, 
Not a big fan of war over here. I know that's a shocking statement for anyone to say, <laughs> but like, you know, one thing that I've always kind of personally maintained is that like for leaders to be like, yeah, I am putting my people into a war. I do kind of feel like they need to be, you know, year 600. They need to be out there on the front lines. They need to be putting themselves like in danger, like everyone else. Like it, it, it legitimately just bugs me. And this movie touches on it. Like, yeah, cool. Y'all can sit in this room. Y'all can decide that. Like, Maybe six million people are going to die. That's yeah. not really going to affect you unless you lose the war and you get hung. Right. Yeah, so, but like, man, can you imagine like, how, I mean, how much sleep they lose? How much fucking <laughs> they lose? How much fucking man, they he did, lose? They didn't have Viagra then, so he's like bothered up in the mind and he just can't get it up. But So, so anyway, <laughs> that's all to say that like for him as a pacifist to be like, all right, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. Like, I find that respectable. Yeah, I definitely. Yeah. Yeah. The movie portrays him as like a piece of shit. And he was actually like a super cool feminist who was like, I'm not against it, but we need to not rush in it like a bunch of fucking idiots. Yeah. Which I, yeah, I think you could hear from the way that I like read my notes there too. Like it was very weird how they sent him out of the room. Like it didn't make a lot of sense yeah. for him to be like, yeah, I'll, I'll go pick up a gun, but I don't believe in you guys. Like that version makes way more sense. Right. Or I'm, I'm sorry, not that version. The historical version <laughs> yeah. makes way more sense. Um, all right, let me see. Um, Quentin, you looked like you had something. There. Oh no, it's oh, just this, like in regards to feminism, this movie is fucking awful. Where like mm -hmm. women are just breeding stock in this movie, yeah. like Abigail Adams and John Adams, like were like collaborators like oh yeah he, absolutely. he like he like asked her advice she like mm -hmm. advised him on like important like revolutionary and, and government matters like through his presidency she used and, to like, give advice this, to thomas jefferson yeah yeah after and like after after martha died like mm -hmm. that's when like abigail and jefferson became really close friends and yeah. like they would like have like they would they, he would he would get advice from her so like for her to just be like get me pins yeah. is so fucking stupid yeah yeah um so in the extended version i guess there's a song called cool considerate considerate men which i don't remember but um president nixon who saw the viewing first viewing of it <laughs> a viewing of it or something like that asked them to remove that song because it made government look bad <laughs> so much to unpack with that sentence yeah, right there that's good, that's good stuff. so much to unpack that's good stuff uh, i mean to be fair you know you figure that was what like know, like a couple of years before he like massively broke the law well also quentin let's keep in mind he had to be saying this right before the bicentennial and he wanted everything to go real smooth <laughs> for that bicentennial. Two hundred years. Two hundred years. So now let's get into um what's his name? Let's get into what's his name. Little, what's Bridget his name? just like folding out this huge binder. Okay. Yeah. 
Now let's get into right, class. Turn your textbooks to page 276. Let's get into <laughs> Rutledge. So Howard De Silva, who played Benjamin Franklin. Oh, yes. Oh, this is exciting. I'm glad you have this. He um, was a victim of the Hollywood Red Scare blacklisting. Yep. And when he was brought up against the congressional, whatever the trials were at the time for it, he just pled the fifth the whole time. Every time they asked him questions about whether he was a communist or not. So that's fucking awesome. Yeah. But, but um, the director, because he was in the original stage performance, the director of the movie was like, Howard De Silva is like a notorious, like just a pain in the ass to work with. He's like, so... He's like, so he wasn't, he wasn't like, he was like, I don't know if um, I want him in the movie, but then I guess he came to him and he's like, come on, you have to ha let me play Ben Franklin. Cause my grandchildren will be like, wow, my grandma's Ben Franklin. And I guess the director finally was like, okay, you can, but his understudy for the movie, or I, I guess, or was the play who came to the movie, whatever was, um, what's his name? Rex Everhart. Do you know who that is? This is a Disney one. No. He's the... Shaking my head. He's the voice of Maurice from Beauty and the Beast. Oh. Huh. So we almost had him as... I guess, friend, Frank. I guess. <laughs> Let me see. Is that... Yeah, no, that's... Sorry. Sorry, I was just like, after you said that, I'm trying to like put dots together in my brain so i apologize for the lack of free no, no that's fine that's fine Bridget. yeah like the blacklisting <laughs> thing was crazy because like he was in the middle of he had just filmed a whole movie and the studio went back and paid for reshoots of this movie because that's how the blacklisting worked they're like oh we don't we, we don't matter it doesn't matter if we lose money because down with communism <laughs> Like, it's just crazy at least now we only do that we to replace kevin spacey yeah wait when what year did this movie come out? This came out in 72. Yeah, he he wasn't blacklisted anymore. Yeah. He was blacklisted in okay. 51. Yeah. And then was like out of Hollywood for like Yeah, forever like he, I mean, yeah. it's Yeah. I mean, it's Hollywood too. So like you don't even need a, a huwak blacklisting to like if you're out of the game for 20 years, you're not getting back mm -hmm. in. Right. Yeah. Well, the, the nice thing is um you know, like, like, uh, you got, you got the stage. Like, the, like he was like a theater actor. He was a Broadway actor yeah. at first. Yeah. So at least like he had that to like fall back into, but that's not much of a consolation. No. And you, you have to think that some production studios don't want him near them because they also don't want McCarthy to call them out for being communists either. Do you know what I right. mean? So, oh, for sure. You know, a lot of people, so I'm sure he didn't, he wasn't getting much work at all. Yeah. I guess he guest starred on some TV show. I forgot to write it down, but there was some TV show he ended up guest starring, starring on after all of this. And that was the first, like that was the beginning of the end of his blacklisting. But obviously that was like, it was like 20 years later or something. Still like probably, that. Yeah, Crazy, exactly. You know? Insane. But anyways, um, that's what I have. I love this movie. Wait, Sorry, now now I've got another question that I just want to put on record for the podcast. Okay, so the musical itself came out in 69. Because that was yeah. the yeah. other thing, you know, like I brought up earlier 
that I found it interesting that some of the arguments the Southern states were bringing are still very relevant today. So how much of this play was like counterculture of the time? Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't feel super in line with the counterculture of the latest. No, it's, it, it feels like a, I'm going to go ahead and say a liberal play. Yeah. Yeah. This is the most Aaron Sorkin ass thing ever. Essentially. Uh Uh-huh. We signed the declaration of independence. (laughs) Also like, um, they, they did kind of a mashup between him and Sam, Sam Adams. Sam Adams was more of the, um, Oh, we got slavery, blah, blah, blah. John Adams, was like, we should get rid of slavery, but we should do it very, very slowly. Like, you know, yeah. any Democrat. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? We should yeah. do yeah. this. Oh, for sure. But very, so, very, very slowly so that we, you know what I mean? Like, so. Sam Adams what, was part yeah. of the Sons of Liberty. <laughs> yeah. So, Sam Adams was like, you know, I guess he was called the, um, um, the was it the reputation assassin or something like that? Because he would <laughs> just get you into trouble and get you. He. A bad rap sam adams like like it's often written in history as like this no good nick like troublemaker but like actually just like very competent yeah, politician very like smart and progressive dude uh also had a badass cane just yeah like fucking strutted around with it so he could use it on that board all the time Shh. yeah <laughs> Yeah. That's like, what are you doing in here? What Go type back of to should we make today? Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, this movie, I love it. Yeah. Um. Well, when I was like, so anybody that knows me, I am very into history, like obsessively into history. I love it. <laughs> but um, when I was, I think it was a little before I saw this movie. It might have been like the same year, but my we went to gettysburg for vacation and i was like oh my god this is amazing and and i don't know if you've ever been to gettysburg but it's weird like i don't believe in ghosts or things like that but when you're there you feel like you feel crowded do you know what i mean i have met several people one who i would i would not expect to say this and one that i would who have said that they've seen ghosts at Gettysburg. Yeah, there's a there's a um there's a place where uh the Confederate soldiers were holding out called Devil's Den and it's just like an outcropping of rocks with like little tunnels in there. So, the last time I was there, um I was we were walking through it and it felt like there was it felt like people were walking behind you. I don't know what it is. It's like I don't know I don't know how it works, but it, I, so many people died there all once. I don't know. But like it, you feel like you feel like there's lots of people there when you're there and it's crazy and whatever. But being there like really set off this kind of history thing. And then um, then I had a teacher that didn't want to teach us that day. So she put this on. She pulled in, you know, like the old uh, Uh VHS off the TV into class Uh and she put 1776 on. And I was like, and nobody else in the class loved it. I fucking loved it. I was like, this is the greatest thing. I went home. I asked my dad to buy me a copy of it. And he bought me a VHS and like, (laughs) I just fucking loved it. And like, and it's funny because if you know me, I am 
I am the most anti-nationalist person <laughs> in the yeah, whole entire yeah, world. Like yeah. the other day during the Bruins game, there was they were doing this. They did the um, uh, whatever the the anthem, Star Spangled Banner. See, I don't even know what the name of the fucking anthem is, <laughs> but. And it was just so over the top. Like at one point she stopped singing and put her microphone up and it was a bunch of fucking drunk fucking New Yorkers. Like just, uh, and it just, that shit yeah. makes me cringe. Like it makes yeah. me. Well, cause like, it's also like, not like just like, Hey, like we fought hard and like we're fair. Cause like one, like scales are f- falling off of most not most people's, but like um, more people's eyes on just like how fucked up the country is, right. and like how fucked the 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 many fucked up things the U.S. government has done throughout its entire existence. Right. Um, but then, like, also, like all that shit is always paired, especially at sporting events, with like let's do a military flyover and yes. shit like that, where it's just like so, okay. So, since this was opened up, uh-huh. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm going to say one thing because I kind of like touched on this in world of commotion and I feel like I didn't exactly get the point across. So people might think I'm a little weird because I said like, I I hate when the Bruins play Canadian teams because we have to listen to two national anthems. <laughs> and I don't even want to listen to one national anthem. Yeah, no, no, but, yeah. but, but with hockey specifically, and, and this could probably apply to whatever level soccer exists at in the United States, both the national anthem and then at least one game a season, if not multiple, during the warmups, they make the Bruins, and I'm assuming this is true for all National Hockey League teams, they make them wear military camo jerseys. Mm-hmm. This is the National Hockey League where I believe we're at a point where less than 50% of the players are from the United States. Yeah. This should not be happening there. Like, how weird would it be if you were a person and you went to, like, you played a sport or did whatever and you had to go to a foreign country to do it and you had to stand up there and, like, like be like, yes, yes, German national anthem. I'm so excited for you right now. Right, right. It's it's all insane, too, because, like, you think about it. Like, there's just, like, so much shit, like, I mean, I'm sure you both remember having to pledge allegiance in the classroom. Miles still does. Like, like I I was able to see him, which he... Which is fucking bonkers, because you hear hear people be like, they're fascists in China, like, damn... Communist fascists, and it's just like, well, like, what the fuck do you think Why am I going to pledge allegiance to a country that won't even pay for health care for us but we'll give the pentagon 780 billion dollars or whatever for fucking knows what like right (sighs) i'm I'm sorry bridget are you talking about a country that keeps the minimum wage at a level that if you work 40 hours a week at minimum wage you are are below the poverty line so you qualify for food stamps so you're allowing corporations to pay enough money to keep people down where they need to be getting food stamps from the government and then those same people will be mocked by society as a whole for being welfare queens bridget is that what you're talking about wait 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 bridget so what you're telling me is a billionaire a hundred billionaire 
uh, will ask the government to bail out his rocket ship oh company my fucking God. For, for hundreds of millions of dollars, launch himself into space, and then auction off a seat for millions of dollars. Oh, my God. On that same rocket. Yes. Like... <laughs> But you that want country? me to stand for a pledge of allegiance, or you yeah. want my heart to swell when we're all a bunch of drunks are singing the national anthem? Yeah. It doesn't. I hate it. But for whatever reason, the idea of like these people that just were like, you know what? And and I like the French Revolution is the same way, though the French Revolution is much yeah. more grittier and they yeah. are less lame <laughs> than we are. <laughs> but like yeah. Just these people but were they like, fell into a lot of the same bullshit. Yeah, is the like problem. fuck you. We're not dealing with this anymore. We're bringing out the fucking guillotines and yeah. we're taking our fucking country. And I think that right. there is something so amazing about that because yeah. that could be anybody in yeah. anything. That could still be us. That could still be. <laughs> this could be us, but you plan. <laughs> but well, no, I mean no, but, but I mean, but 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 that's on point to. To Ben Franklin was seventy. You know, what we were, well, yeah. but I mean, to, to, to the point that we were talking about, like earlier in this, where like the founding fathers are now perceived as demigods, yes, yeah. and like yeah. no, and and in all honesty, like I don't think that's what many of them wanted. Like things change, y'all. Yeah. When when they wrote the Second Amendment, they had muskets. <laughs> like things change, y'all. But I mean, like speaking of the French Revolution, like how fucking wishy washy these motherfuckers, specifically the ones in the room in this movie, <laughs> yes, were yes. during the revolution because they're fucking buddy buddies with the king because the king helped and funded troops for the revolution because like there was interest where they're just like well fuck the british yeah we'll help this other upstart country and then when shit went bad there <laughs> the americans are like yeah you oh, we don't want to get on the wrong side of that yeah, no they were like bad. well we're we totally like gonna him. help you and then when the time came they were like where did we well, just went through a war i don't think well, this is a good time for another another revolution yeah. jefferson's fucking over there like hanging out at the palace because he's the fucking <laughs> we've started fucking, calling them freedom United. fries so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> look look i don't think y'all understood what this booty call that we had was about like we're glad we did the thing we did yeah. but we don't want to make this more of like a relationship by going over there and helping out you yeah. but anyways i think like history <laughs> like revolutions at their core if you take out the politics are really cool. That's like human. So you were spirits. saying inspirometer then? Yeah. This was very inspiring. <laughs> because I just, this and Gettysburg made it. So I am the history nerd I am today. It's yeah. why I've got the fun facts because I would literally just research things for hours. And I have to no end. You still do. <laughs> still do. Yeah. I don't finish anything. Guess what? Going to get tested for ADHD tomorrow when I'm oh, yeah. recording this. Let so, me know how that goes. Remi reminds me. Goes. I, need to, I need to set up a doctor's <laughs> But one day I hope to be on methamphetamines and be able to finish something. Yeah. <laughs> like the history podcast that I've been working on for almost a year now. Methamphetamines, methamphetamines, <laughs> go on the. <laughs>
Um, so yeah, speaking of th- finishing things, Bridget, where do you think this goes? <laughs> um, I mean, it's a ten for me, but <laughs> you guys can. No, it. that's fine. No, no, it's your movie. No arguments here, man. Yeah. yeah, I think this movie does get at some stuff too, where like the stuff about like revolutions. Revolutions are neat, Marge Simpson. I just think they're neat. Um. But um, also fucked up and dark and bloody and yeah. gritty. Yeah. Um, and there's like a weight to them. Like, like that is the thing about like revolutions that like I, I don't. I, I a lot of talk these days about revolutions, and uh, you know I think it is things that like people don't don't think about. Cause like there, it's often san- and, and like it's, I don't think it's entirely their fault. Like it's sanitized so much by like media and history, and you know. Oh yeah, I mean, especially well, in this so- country where mass shootings happen, and then like yeah, it's like yeah. it's like a half a news cycle later, they're gone. Yeah, there you were three. I mean? Yes, was it yesterday or the day before? There were three. Yeah. Like. I and I mean to. <sighs> Sorry. I'm just helping. <laughs> no, no, no. I I was going to try and make a point that I'm just not going to try and make anymore. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say revolutions aren't necessary. No, uh, they uh, no revolutions are necessary. Are, right. Right. No, I so, just want to I just want to clarify my point. Like, yeah, there comes a time. Yeah. When blood tree liberty. Yeah. It's really happened. fascinating to see people hit that point. Last year. When shit started getting real yeah. dark. Yeah. And people are like, oh, f- oh, 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 oh. Yeah. And I got into an argument with a friend who was just like, well, you, you don't understand how much blood would go into a revolution. I'm like, no, I'm like acutely aware of how much it is. And I'm not saying I want people to die. I like, like no, re- but- revolutions are like last. Last options. Mm-hmm. But also, I mean, oftentimes you're fucking in a corner. Well, they, I, I think that's so the, the core of what I was going to say is that if I did, like, I'm happy, I'm mostly happy with this movie as it is. Like, I wish it was shorter. Obviously, I've made that very abundantly clear. But um, you wishing a movie was I, shorter? I, no. I know. Weird, right? Um, God, but this one's kind of like the gold standard for a movie I wish was short. <laughs> anyway, um, but but the point is, is like, I do wish it had struck a better balance of some of the actual weights of it. Cause the, the, the way I was going to go about that was for a semi lighter fare to what you were saying. The eternal argument that I have with my mother, uh, is she hates the end of Harry Potter. She hates the end of hunger games. And obviously these are not real revolutions. These, these are make believe things, but what she hates about the stuff is that people die. And that's exactly the reason that I like those things because that's war. Like that's what it actually is. And like, that's the problem with video games in this culture, especially when the U S army was trying to push out its own one to recruit people. It's like this idea of this power fantasy of like, yeah, we're just going around shooting guns and everything's rad. No, no, that's not how it is. And if you go back to the revolutionary war, people die in agonizing, brutal mm-hmm. ways. Like, Oh, my leg needs to be amputated. Hope I survive this. 
probably like a 50% chance I won't, but I'm going to die <laughs> suffering over three days to do it. No, man, so your like, super soldier goes everywhere like they're the Boston PD officer played by Mark Wahlberg in Patriots. <laughs> yeah, oh, my exactly. God. Yeah. And that's not to say, uh, in your defense, Matt loves a good fucking power fantasy. Oh, hell yeah. No, we want to talk video games and power fantasies. Yeah. I got I just got that dash button and ratchet and clank. Fuck and yeah. I'm just like, man, this feels so great. But that's a video game. That's not real life. Unfortunately, they're trying to cloud some of this stuff. Yeah. Anyway, this has been a very leftist rant of a podcast. So I'm going to shut up. Oh, weird. We're leftists. I don't know if anyone knew that before I, this episode. I feel like we got a little extra ranty today. Yeah. I mean, I, know I, I feel like we had to. I, I knew we were going to yeah, rant true. because of yeah. the topic of the movie. Because yeah. how can you, how can you appreciate rebellion and people wanting to make their lives better, but then also, you know, be like, yay, America. Yeah. <laughs> what? And I mean, also just straight up, like everyone's like, oh, love it or leave it, blah, 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 blah. You want to put up the argument that people fought for the freedom of speech in this country. Hey, people fought for me to think and say all the things that I'm thinking right now. Mm -hmm. yeah. So like, yeah. cool, I'm a dissident, like yeah. you're bugged by me. Yeah. But if you want to stand by the argument that that's what people died for, yeah. then people died for me to do this at this moment. Mm -hmm. Slightly off topic rant, cancel culture. Do you want to talk about fucking cancel culture? <laughs> fucking look at the blacklist. Look at the the fucking the, the communist witch hunt that happened yeah. in the Red Scare in the 50s. Like like actual actual lives ruined, not fucking yeah. Kevin Hart having to be like, meh. Like, I don't know if you saw it today, but he's like, yeah. like, fuck you. You're you're a fucking millionaire. Like, who gives right, a shit? Right. You're fine. And then, like, someone asked him, like, oh, well, do you not believe the people who said Ellen was terrible to the to him? And he's like, no, no, I believe them. But that doesn't mean she should be canceled. And it's like, then what the fuck? Do you, like, what? what? <laughs> and she wasn't canceled. She chose on her own. Yeah, no. She'll there was go no consequences whatsoever. She just decided on her own to stop her show that has been wildly successful for fucking two decades yeah, or she'll whatever. Go, she'll, she'll go cry herself to sleep next to Portia de Rossi on her right. mattress made of fucking stacks of money. Like, right. Like, I, like yeah. zero, zero, zero. Yeah. Like fucking, oh, God damn it. Pisses me off so fucking much. I, I saw a tweet today that was like, well, you know, uh, no one ever calls leftists and try to tries to get them fired from their job. To which several uh, leftists, yeah, it's just like, no, no, they do. And then they get fired and you don't hear from them anymore is what happens generally. Um, God damn. You can find us everywhere on the web at Clamshell Case Files, except for Twitter and Twitch. Where you can find us at Clamshell Case. Uh, thank you to Zero Science, our wonderful podcast network. You can hear shows such as World to Commotion and Hell is a Musical and Nickelback in amongst maybe others maybe one day my history podcast and maybe one day bridget's history podcast perhaps you can find me on the web at quintron 5000 bridget where can they find you at lovely bridget 99 and matt at matt nonsense until next week i can't say i'm very fond of the united states of america <laughs> And another that. Quentin.
Quentin, just putting it on record right now, please, if I got too babbly or anything, 1000% feel free to cut I'll probably, any of my rants I'll probably, because I will forget about all of them once we're done recording. Keep anyway. all of them. Chop. Well, I'll probably edit them for clarity. Okay. You know, when we get the confusions. <laughs> yeah. Edit out Matt's confusions. Mattsconfusions.com. I smell a new podcast. <laughs> Neuroscience. Lils and Patrick are two local musicians from the New England area whose minimal accomplishments have left them thoroughly unqualified to judge bands and artists who have been more successful than they ever could be. And yet, their passion for bad music persists on Jukebox Zeros, the podcast that takes a retrospective look at the worst albums of all time. From The Shags to Attila, from Cyberpunk to Scream, if there's a band that has an album they're ashamed of, Lils and Patrick will be there. Share their love on Jukebox Zeros, now on the Zero Science Network, and wherever podcasts may be found.